0: He's Pittsburgh-born, and we like him that way. What an incredible Cinderella story. This
1: unknown comes out of nowhere. This is the
0: Adam Crowley Show. The Cinderella Boy. On
1: 970 ESPN. And now on 106.3 FM. <laughs>
0: The United States, Canada, and Mexico have been awarded the World Cup in 2026. Woo! Yeah! That made me think two things. One, hopefully I'm alive. And two, automatic qualification! Woo! Yeah! Yeah! 2026, baby! Here we come! Let's go, United States soccer! You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. I fell asleep last night after the Pirates just pooped all over themselves in the first inning. And I'm not going to talk a lot about the Pirates today. They're playing right now, in fact. But I'm guessing everybody who's listening to this show has long given up on the Pirates as I have. And in the first inning, the Pirates had the bases loaded and one out before Colin Moran grounded into a double play. And then in the bottom half... <sighs> <sighs> there was a man on first and third. Trevor Williams threw a pickoff throw to first. It bounced over Josh Bell's glove, down the right field line. The throw comes in towards third base. That gets away, and both runs score. Now I'm watching the Pirates game on the television... And Austin Meadows goes back to catch a fly ball on the warning track, which glances off his glove and goes into the stands. Anybody who is trying to get you, Pirates fans, to go to the games this summer, anybody who is trying to tell you that this team was better than you thought this team it was, was disingenuous. They lied to you. They were never going to be good. A brief period in first place should not have changed your mind. And, well, now, all that's left to be seen is whether or not the Reds catch them. That's it. That's the only interesting thing to think about with the Pirates the remainder of the season. Because the future ain't exactly all that bright either. They got Austin Meadows. They got Musgrove. Eh. Eh? Josh Bell? Eh. But enough about the Pirates. They stink, so I'm not going to spend any more time wasting my breath on them. Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown are unlikable. We know this. Yesterday, Antonio Brown only hammered that point home. But winning a championship can fix that, right? Tom Barrasso was a prick, but he won the cup. All is forgiven. Those we-are-family buckos were huge douchebags, but they're family. Why? Because they won, so it doesn't matter. But for now, the Steelers aren't champs. And as much as I think you can say they are both unlikable, I think it's unfair to A.B. to put as much on him as we put on Le'Veon Bell. Sure, he made himself the victim yesterday, even though he's a victim of his own words. Antonio said he didn't show up to OTAs. Or pardon me. Antonio said about Le'Veon Bell, you gotta show up to OTAs to get better and then Antonio Brown then wound up not going to the next OTA practices. That wasn't our fault that he said that. The media didn't put those words in his mouth. He did, so that's all on him. He's also shown up Landry in the past, thrown a Gatorade cooler, done some other selfish things, such as filming a locker room conversation after the Steelers beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round two years ago. All that, if you allow yourself to look past on-field production, makes A.B. a guy that can be hard to root for, right? His Rolls Royce was parked in a handicapped spot of Dino's and Latrobe. He shows up late to radio shows and autograph signings. All that being said, I think Abe's a child. He's overwhelmed by attention and hasn't surrounded himself with the best people. I don't think he's a bad guy, though. He's self-centered, but a lot of people are. I am. Everyone is to an extent. He doesn't have enough smart people whispering in his ears. I worry about him winding up broke one day. So as much as I do think he can be unlikable, I also don't put him in the same category as Le'Veon Bell. Antonio Brown has never been suspended. Le'Veon Bell's been suspended twice. If you're looking at these two players through the scope of being a Steelers fan, then you'd have to put Lev in a whole other category. By virtue of not being there, Lev's hurt the Steelers on the field. Bell didn't show up for training camp last year. I didn't have a problem with that. He was protecting himself. He'll do the same thing this year. I get it, but the fan base doesn't. For the most part, Steelers fans were pissed about him not being there. Did it affect performance? I've said no emphatically, but the numbers may say a different story. Whether it was because of that or not, I can't definitively say, but he wasn't as good last year as he was two years ago. When the Steelers were 4-5 and five, two years ago, he averaged 147 yards per game after that point. He averaged 5 yards per carry. Last year down the stretch, he averaged 126 and about 4 yards per carry. Last year, he was a top-five back and a great player. Two years ago, he was the best offensive player in the league. He would have had my MVP vote. He was the unquestioned best running back in the league. Was the drop-off because he wasn't at camp? I also think he tries to be a manipulator. A.B. doesn't know what the bleep he's saying. Le'Veon Bell knows what he's trying to do, and the advice he's getting, he follows. He tries to make himself the victim in his rap songs. He blames the Steelers. He says he's not valued, despite the Steelers trying to make him the highest-paid running back in the league. He said he was considering retirement a few days before the playoff game against the Jaguars. He does not do himself any favors, much like A.B., but he knows what he's saying. He's trying to win the PR battle with the Steelers. A.B.'s just being A.B., which means he's just being a doofus. So if I'm ranking them in terms of douchebaggery, I'm ranking Le'Veon number one, and I'm ranking A.B. a distant second. Usually... I'm on team player. In fact, most of the time, I'm on team player when it comes to contract negotiations. I was sticking up for Le'Veon. I was predisposed to like the guy. I worked for him for the Le'Veon Bell show on DVE. But he's done everything he can to push me away, and if he's done that with me, then he's doing it with the rest of the fan base. A.B.'s going to be a stealer for life or for his entire prime. Le'Veon Bell won't. A.B. wanted what he earned, so does Le'Veon Bell, but A.B. was realistic. Le'Veon's got an inflated value in his own mind. Le'Veon is greedy. So while they're both unlikable, there are also tiers of unlikability. Left Bell, to me, number one, and A.B.'s a distant number two. Tim Ben's going to be joining us in about 12 minutes here on the Crowley Show. Will Graves at 5 o'clock. I pose this as our Twitter question, at underscore Adam Crowley. How much does this stuff affect the Steelers on the field? I mentioned yesterday they've won 45 games over the last four years. They won 13 games last year, but of course they don't have a championship to show for it. So they've underachieved in the minds of Steelers fans, and they've underachieved in the minds of ownership general manager on down. Their expectation is to win the Super Bowl every year. And that's unrealistic, but if you're as good as they have been, you should at least be contending for the championship every year. How much of their underachieving has to do with the douchebaggery? How much of their underachieving has to do with just not being good enough on the field? You can answer that, as I said, at underscore Adam Crowley. Le'Veon and Antonio, for as big a douches as they are, For as bad a guy as they can seem, they've been some of the guys who have actually put up in the biggest moments. There's this narrative that they're losers. They talk all the time and they're losers. Well, the team hasn't done enough. I kind of think these guys have. Le'Veon Bell, when healthy in the playoffs, has been dynamic. 167 yards against the Dolphins. 170 yards against the Chiefs. He's only been healthy for three playoff games. That hurts. But he had 155 yards last year against the Jaguars. In a game where nobody performed, he did. So did A.B. This coming after he missed a walkthrough and was thinking about his contract and retirement and all that nonsense with Jeremy Fowler. A.B.'s a nut job, but he had 110, 129, 136, 106, and 101 catches the last five years respectively. He's had over 100 yards in five of the last six playoff games he's played. You can say those two guys aren't winners, you can say they aren't champions, but I'll say it ain't their fault. As much as they've been distractions, are they really responsible for the team's failures? No, I don't think so. For me, as sexy as the off-the-field stuff is to chew on, as unlikable as these players can be, the defense has been far and away a bigger issue than which diva is acting a fool on this particular week. We've gone down the road where we've looked at every single week the Steelers had last year during the season and picked out the drama for that particular week, yet they still found a way to go 13-3. That's impressive. The drama wasn't an issue during the regular season as they racked up more wins than any team in the AFC. Drama didn't affect them in terms of the wins-loss record. The defense did. In the playoffs... They gave up 38 points to the Jacksonville Jaguars on defense. 38 to a team that looked like it was a 1940s version of Army going up against Buffalo the week before. You can talk about distraction. You can talk about looking ahead. You can talk about this, that, the other, all that drama. But when you can't tackle, that's a problem. When you can't stop giving up big plays, that's a problem. And that's not because they're distracted. It's because they weren't good enough. We'll talk to Tim Benz about that. Will Graves as well. The Penguins should not change this group just for the sake of changing it. I hate change for the sake of change. Hate it! This team was not that far off from beating the defending Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. They were Went six. Overtime in game six. They're a Tom kuhn Post away from going to Game 7, and who knows what happens then? Maybe the Capitals' butts pucker. I don't know. They seem to have moved past that nonsense, but a bounce here or there, and the Penguins are going on to play Tampa, where I think they ultimately get eviscerated. Point being, they won the Cup in back-to-back years. They fought tooth and nail, led two games going into the third period that they ultimately wound up losing against Washington. Washington. And now Jim Rutherford has said to expect changes. Now, if Ray Shero is saying, there's going to be changes, eh, he's prodding. He's testing the market. He's seeing what other general managers are going to say. When Jim Rutherford says something, he means it. Last year, we need to get tougher. Need an enforcer. Got to go get one. Then on draft day, you hear he's running from table to table, and Josh Yowie's sending out tweets, and I'm getting all hot and bothered in the pants. Oh, my God, big deal in the works. Penguins are going to get someone huge. They're going to get that third-line center. No, just kidding. They're going to trade their third-line center for Ryan Reeves. Why should I have been shocked? He told us what he was going to do. A couple years back, going to make a big splash. He gets Phil Kessel. Now he says things are going to be different that means things are going to be different. But I don't want them to be different. Here's the lineup that they could put together. If everyone's healthy, w- without anything changing and some of the RFAs getting their T's and I's dotted and crossed. Gensel, Crosby, Hornquist. That's a winner. I think you're going to score some goals with that line. Haglin, Malkin, Kessel. think that one's a winner, too. 92 points for Phil Kessel this year. Evgeny Malkin. In the MVP conversation. Carl Haglund. They didn't show up to the playoffs, but you know what you're getting with that guy. Broussard, Sprong, and Sherry. Eh, Sherry's. <laughs> He's inconsistent, but you don't hate having him on your third line. Then you could play with Aston Reese, Shane, and Rust. If Rust's on your fourth line, centered by Riley Shane, you're feeling pretty good about that. Where do the big changes need to come? Why do you got to move Phil Kessel? I've gone back and forth on that. I believe in Jim Rutherford. So if he does move Kessel, I think it's because he feels, obviously, that the team's going to be improved. But why move a guy who just put up 92 points and weaken either your second or third line? Why do that? The Penguins were mired in mediocrity, and they underachieved a bunch after 2009 up until Phil Kessel got here. When Phil Kessel got here, they won the championship in two out of three years. In the year that they didn't, he had 92 freaking points. He's seventh in the league. Dumoulin, Latang, Mata Schultz, Alexiak, Ruedel. I don't love the third pair. Maybe you go out and you tweak that. Maybe you go out and you get a Kunitz and you throw him on the fourth line. Maybe you tweak things like that, but you don't have to go out and reinvent the entire team. You don't have to move a Phil Kessel. You don't have to move a Chris Letang. Maybe it's simple. Maybe all you need is a healthy Brassard, a healthy Kessel, and a healthy Chris Letang, and Matt Murray playing more like he played his first two years, and all of a sudden, you can contend for the cup again without having to push all that many buttons. More on that with Benji coming up next. Tim writes for the trip, it's Breakfast with Benz. First thing I think about every morning is taking a dump. The second thing I do is read Breakfast with Benz. We'll talk to him when we come back. It's Crowley Show. The deals are heating up at Aaron's on select furniture, electronics, and appliances during Aaron's Sizzling Summer Savings Event. Plus, to make it even hotter, this weekend, June 15th through the 17th, just $1 gets you started leasing to own. And as always, there's no credit needed, and delivery and setup are free. Come to a participating Aaron's store or visit aarons.com this weekend to get started with just $1. Plus, save on select products during Aaron's Sizzling Summer Savings Event.
1: Transaction advertised
0: as a rental purchase agreement. Some restrictions apply. See store for details. You know, it would be easier to beat Arizona for the Pirates if they caught fly balls instead of help them over the fence. Wow. I know. You're a visionary. That's you, my analysis. You
2: should get credit for that one. Give him another dinger on his stats. They should give that, him a dinger on his stats. Run. He yeah. drove in a couple of runs there. Yeah, it doesn't matter which team it's for. Would have been the third out,
0: right? the last two games the pirates have had a pickoff throw at first cost them two runs and have a ball go off of a mitt and over the fence for a home run so i'm done with them not talking about them we'll talk about everything else other than the pirates for the remainder of the show and helping me do that is tim benz from breakfast with benz is the official vampire of the crowley show writes for the trip Benzie, how are you today
1: I was kind of hoping we'd talk at least a little bit about that first inning because it was so entertainingly bad. We do have to bring that up a little bit, don't we? Well,
0: all right, let's get it out of the way here. I mean, it's almost like they're typecast to be a bad team and they didn't really live up to the billing, and now all of a sudden they are looking every bit that part, my friend.
1: Yeah, I mean, the throwaway from Trevor Williams. I have the magic touch, don't I, by the way, of Kingston Pirate Pitchers. Every time I write a story (laughs) in Breakfast with Ben's about how well a pitcher is doing, they just have it run down their leg. I mean, it was Jamison Tyon first. Then did it to Trevor Williams. Chad Cool wasn't even all that good. He wasn't awful in his last start, but he wasn't all that good. So I think I jinxed him. Um, I was about, like, even when I, th- I thought about writing something good about Kingdom I mean, and then they shut him down. So I blame me for that. Blame me for the pitching. But one thing I posted today was if you start looking at the numbers, Adam, uh, they are now matching this stretch of 24 games that it's been now has been six wins in 24 games or something to that effect, uh, the poor win total over that stretch is now akin to what we saw during Epic Collapse 1 and Epic mm. Collapse 2 in the second half of 2011 and 2012. So they're bad. Yeah, it's, uh, I think you're right in the way that you initially opened this conversation, which is they have now decided to live down their level of expectation.
0: It's really entertaining in that regard, though. I mean, it's just funny. Now you find out that Gregory Polanco for the last couple of weeks has been nursing a hamstring injury, yet he still continues to get playing time over Austin oh, Meadows. Oh, that was the
1: wrong thing for him to say, don't you think? I mean, that what? was the wrong excuse to offer, because now it just makes it all the dumber that you're playing him in front of Meadows. It's the perfect opportunity to play Meadows more. Give Polanco more time to get his hamstring healthy then. Yes, and it's
0: almost Antonio Brown-like how stupid that comment was from Clint Hurdle. I mean, read the room, man. People have been screaming for more Meadows and less Gregory Polanco, less Mendoza Polanco. Is it in two oh freaking 2 right now? And he says, oh, well, not only does he suck, but I'm trotting him out there whenever he's running at
1: 45%. I want to know what's going to be a bigger number by the end of the year. Sean Rodriguez's batting average or whatever Le'Veon Bell signs for. What do you think?
0: I think Bell's going to wind up signing for about seventeen million purse. So that put him at what one seventy. Oh, it's going to be tight, man. That's going to be well, close. No,
1: I, I think it's going to be well. He's going to play for one forty five. If you want to do the math, if you want to carry the decimal. Oh, this year, yes. Yeah, yeah. But if you're looking big picture overall, what the the overall uh, dollar payout, the proposed dollar payout for him will be. I, I guess it depends on how many years he gets. So I got to be careful with how I slide the scale. But I think it's going to be close.
0: Yeah, this year he's going to play on a franchise, and then he'll probably get paid buku bucks by some desperate franchise that's not all that far from here, <clears throat> Cleveland. But anyway, which one of these two players, Tim, Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell, do you think's easier to dislike?
1: Yeah, that's sort of a hot topic question right now. I've seen that thrown around quite a bit. Can I can I answer Ben Roethlisberger?
0: <laughs> you can answer Ben Roethlisberger.
1: I mean, if you're just talking my personal dealings with the three of them, I'm going to go with Ben Roethlisberger. Um If you're talking about from the fan perspective, it seems to be Le'Veon Bell because of the three, Bell has decided to not play for the money that he's been offered, and that's the greatest sin you can commit in Pittsburgh is to ask for more money. I mean, I-, I have never had an uncomfortable, unpleasant interaction with Le'Veon Bell as a person, you know, just in the locker room during an interview. That's why this has become such a frustrating topic for me to cover and talk about is because nine days out of ten, I genuinely like the guy, and then he tweets or says something about his contract, and he drives me crazy. Uh, I love watching him play. He's one of the most entertaining players I've ever covered, too. Um, and he's easy to get along with when he's not blowing out of proportion what he thinks he should make against the salary cap. But he's doing that to the degree that now he's kind of gotten introspective about it and feeling dissed and feeling like a target, and now you know, he's, he's strapping himself to a cross, and he's got this persecution complex that just drives me insane. But um, you know, personality-wise, I don't understand Antonio Brown at all. I don't get him. Uh, so I don't know if I dislike him. Uh, I thought he was crazy yesterday with what he said. Uh, for me, my interaction with Roethlisberger has rarely been good since 2016, so that's more of a personal thing. But, um, I don't know, uh, Brown just right now, uh, he needs to pull his head out and understand that this, this is not the media turning against him. He's he's creating his own media noise.
0: Oh, absolutely, and Tim Ben's joining us here on the Crowley Show. I'll go with Le'Veon Bell because of A lot of the things you did say, I've always liked Le'Veon Bell, and for him to always play the victim and lash out in his rap songs and talk to Jeremy Fowler a couple of days before a playoff game about retiring, and the fact that he got suspended a couple of times, those reasons make me put him in a different class. I think he's smart enough and a nice enough guy to know what he's doing. I don't think Antonio Brown is smart enough to know what he's saying, and I'm kind of going to allow his ignorance to be his shield a little bit. Doesn't mean I think he's not ridiculous, but I am going to say I dislike Le'Veon Bell and his personality a little bit
1: more. Well, what you're talking about was proven in the way that Brown tried to talk his way through what his feelings were (laughs) yesterday. He just couldn't properly put into words what he was trying to give to the public as a reason why he was gone, as a reason why he was feeling chapped you know, you just couldn't put it into words, and it just made him come off looking worse. Um, so I think you're right about what you're saying. Bell, I think, is trying to come off like a tough guy, trying to come off looking like he's got a hard edge because he's into the rap game, and that's what you got to do. It's an image you can't be a nice guy and be a be a rapper. You can't. So you got to be a badass. So I think that's playing into what he's trying to put out there, and. That's part of the reason I don't buy it and why I just keep waiting for him to sign a contract and get it over with, because I still feel like this is an act to a point. But now he's married to it. Now he's committed yes. to it. He's put all of his chips in. He said he wants to play for $17 million like A.B. Uh, he's acting like he's doing the Steelers a favor by rolling it down to fourteen point five. if you believe what you read this week. Although initially that's what he said in the first place, is that he's going to have to play for the franchise tag for all five years to make the contract make sense to him. Uh, none of this makes sense to me.
0: Tim Ben's joining us here on the Crowley show. As far as the Steelers and their lack of championships over the last four years, where they've won forty five games, culminating in a 13 and three record last year, what do you think the biggest reason for them not having won a championship is? Do you think it's the off the field stuff or do you think it's simply the defense hasn't been good enough?
1: I think that they are you know, they are the New York knicks to what the Bulls were with Jordan. Uh, they are the Utah Jazz with Stockton and Malone. They're going up against Jordan. I, you know, they they have always been good enough to be the second best team against the best team in its prime. And the matchup differential that they don't have against what the Patriots do have has exacerbated and exploited uh, what they can't do. Uh, I think if they had managed to get through the Patriots in either o one or. I don't know, Oh, four 4 maybe stumbled in in uh, 15 or 16. Uh, yeah, maybe they would have had one more Super Bowl and wouldn't be having this conversation. Just through the, the sheer odds that they uh, get through one of those championship games to get to the Super Bowl, I think they win at least one more, and, and we're not talking about this. Um, but, you know, even when they didn't play the Patriots, they lost the Green Bay Packers to the Super Bowl with the defense that let them down, right? Yeah,
0: it was, and Troy so, Polamalu dying on the vine.
1: Yeah, I, I, I feel like they... The defense in and of itself, you know, if you strip down what a 3-4 defense is, it's always vulnerable to an accurate quarterback, an accurate, smart quarterback. And the 3-4 defense, as it was constructed back then, and they held on to it for as long as it was, they pushed the envelope and got there first before anybody in mastering how to run it, and they probably held on to it too long because of that. And, And they just couldn't... And Mike Priscilla and I were talking about this today. Here they are now, they're trying to implement a whole bunch of things that the Patriots have been doing for fifteen years (laughs) on defense now at a time when the Patriots are trying to get away from some of that. You know, because they're finally getting away from what they've married themselves to for a long time. And why? Because like you said, they're thirteen and three last year, or they were eleven and five, or they were twelve and four. But the reason why they never got further than what they did even in Lawson is that didn't occur against good quarterbacks named Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they ran into a bad quarterback with a bad uh, had a good day in Denver and Tim Tebow. Uh, why? Because he played like Tom Brady that day, and, and that defense was susceptible to what he did. And uh, so that, that is my answer. The, I think it's part B of what you said. It's not so much the cult, the culture hasn't helped, but the inability to get a defense that's versatile enough to respond in a close game against good quarterbacks is what will cost them as to why they have not won during this era if they don't get one more.
0: Why are you hanging out with Pursuiter today without me? Why well, was I invited? What happened there?
1: You're always invited. You can always come to the south side. I mean, like, I don't think you're allowed to run around shirtless to do your cheese teasing. And that's usually when, when we're over there. But, I mean, if you want to talk to Burt Loudon and the media relations department, maybe they can cut you a break.
0: Now it does sound like a really good idea doing a cheese tease at the Steelers facility, UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. I don't think I'm allowed in there anymore, though. They barred me. I'm not allowed. Well, not not since the draft. Whenever I
1: walked away with
0: all of their food at the end of the night,
1: we you the one that took all of the uh, chicken wings.
0: Uh, well, it was it was mo- it, it was mostly Williamson, but I was partaking.
1: See, now I've got it in my mind's eye that this cheese tease the Steelers facility has to happen because, like, I'm thinking back yesterday where Antonio Brown intentionally took his shirt off. The interview. Like he had one on and then took it off. Like Tom should do the st- same thing but stand next to AB just so the physique can stand out.
0: Tom, you and me tomorrow. OTAs, ah, mini camp, whatever it is. We're, it's hey, mandatory. Way, we got to go. I'm not going
1: to be there tomorrow. I'm actually off tomorrow. So oh. I'm not going to be there. So if you shoot it, make sure you tag me in it so I can see it.
0: And so we can get your big Twitter following out there. Help us out. Um,
1: is Tom going on vacation anytime soon?
0: No, Tom doesn't get to go on vacation.
1: Okay, good, because I don't want him getting any sun. I want him to be as pasty and white for all the cheese pieces throughout the summer. Like I I actually want to see him somehow tanner in December than what he is now, such a concept as possible.
2: Tim, don't worry. Even on vacation, he's not getting a tan. Like, he's not coming out of the basement.
0: No. <laughs> now, his, his vacation but, is Fortnite downstairs in whatever establishment he's vacationing in.
1: Is Tom a Fortnite freak, really?
0: Oh, my God, yeah.
1: So I did an interview today with Sean Davis. I actually quoted him um, in a little bonus story that I did before I left. Talking so like, did you hear Keith Butler's quote? We haven't found that guy yet when talking about a free safety. We haven't found one yet. That was encouraging. Yeah, uh, so was really good about, about that. His, yeah, I was talking to Sean Davis about that. And the entire interview, he just kept pl- I don't think it was Fortnite. He just kept playing some game on his <laughs> phone while he was doing the interview with me.
0: You know what? On second thought, Tim. To my last question, the distractions or the on-the-field defense not being all that good, I think it is the distractions. They're just playing video games through all the meetings.
1: Yeah, well, remember, the one violator of having the cell phone on the bench was everybody's favorite stealer, Troy Polamalu. So let's keep that in mind. Good point. Last thing here. Recall, he called his fiancée, or I guess it was, was his wife or fiance at the time when he got his concussion. I think there were... I don't know if they were married yet or not, but remember that, then he got hot water for having a cell phone on the sideline?
0: Yeah, at that point, he didn't know whether he was married or just engaged either. (laughs) Uh, Tim, the scuttlebutt you're hearing, and Jason Mackey was on the show yesterday, is that the Penguins are going to do some things this offseason, and where there's smoke with Jim Rutherford, there's usually fire. Man, I don't think change for the sake of change is, is necessary. I don't think this team's all that far away. You plug... An extra winger in, maybe get a bottom pair guy on your defense, and I think you can be right back contending like they did two years ago.
1: Yeah, and I bet you they are feel feeling right now emboldened in that regard because Washington did what it did the rest of the way after they beat them. Right?
0: You have to think I mean, so.
1: It, it wasn't just we had a bad six game stretch against the team we normally beat. It was that team that we normally beat who's always been good proved how good it was, and by extension, maybe we don't need to change. You know, uh, you know, it's like the Cavs beating the Warriors one time. Uh, the Warriors don't have to gut the team and start all over. Now you can add to it; that'd be nice, and or change your approach. The issue that they've got right now, and part of the reason why the Kessel trade rumors keep coming up, is I, I, I don't know how they tweak. Like I don't know how they do something small without doing something significant, because in order to really make yourself better and add one good left-winger and one good defenseman, you probably have to maneuver to create space of 5 to $6 billion in salary cap space. And you know, just because Broussard wasn't that big of an impact, if you somehow move him, that's a significant move. Yep. Or if you're going to trade Kessel, that's a significant move, even if it's just for picks and cap space and not an actual defenseman in return, then you use the money to get the defenseman. Um, I, I that's why I have maintained this throughout since the, the Penguins end of their season. I, I just don't do. I don't know how they do something small without doing something big. And honestly, trading Brian Rust and Connor Sheary—that's uh, pretty big. Uh, that's that, that's a big deal, you know. And that's part of the reason why they. I would prefer they keep Kessel too. And no one wants to believe me when I say that because I keep talking about the trade. <laughs> it could happen, but my preference is that they keep Kessel. But if they are wed to putting Daniel Sprong on this roster, a right wing has to go. So where does he go and who is it? Because any of the right wings moving is a fairly big deal.
0: Tim, where are you going? Are you going to get a tan?
1: That's impossible. I'm kind of like Tom in that regard. I'm giving him a hard time. But, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, I'm white or I'm sunburned. So I'm going to Chautauqua. I don't know what the uh, weather is going to be like, but there's, an outdoor deck right on the uh, lake where I'm going, and there is uh, plenty of Southern Tear to be had. So, yes, the, the prospect of me passing out on the deck and at least getting a nice crispy sunburn does exist.
0: No, it doesn't because you can't go outside because you're a vampire during the day.
1: Damn it! Oh, I missed it, I missed it, yeah. Me Maybe too. somebody will come by and put a stake in my heart.
0: Just put a stake in your belly, drink some Southern Tears, enjoy yourself, my friend.
1: All right, we'll talk next week. See you, Adam.
0: Yes, sir. There he goes, Tim Benz. Breakfast with Ben's, check it out. I do every single morning when I wake up. Good man. Get a pound of beers. Am I the only one here who
2: can't imagine him like sitting back and relaxing? You are not. I mean, I can't. I don't know
0: what that's like. Did you hear what he said? He said, I filed a bonus story today before I took off. He's going on vacation. He's trying to do more work. Spoiler alert, I'm off next Friday. I'm not doing a four-hour show on Thursday. There's not going to be a bonus hour of Crowley's show before I take off on vacation. Next week, I'm out of here, and you guys aren't going to hear from me at all. <laughs> We're I'm not. not answering a We're damn thing a you damn said. Thing.
2: Nothing at
0: all. Hey, did Stan talk about me on his show earlier? Yeah. See, he did a Ask Wednesday. He does that well, every few months.
2: I, I he brought up a situation that could have or maybe could have not involved you.
0: From what I understand, Probably. he was naming... He was asked a question about if he was a program director at a sports talk station, what his all-time lineup would be. Yes, that's that's correct. Well, then I was mentioned, because I'm absolutely a part of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. You have the audio, Tom? Yeah. We'll play it coming up next. And... I mean, you think you're mentioned,
2: right? You should be. No way, I wouldn't be. I mean, you're like his afternoon partner, basically.
0: I mean, here's the deal. We're on the same station now. I used to be his producer. He groomed me. Now I'm doing an amazing radio show, which ratings are up 700%. Yeah. I'll be mentioned. I'm also going to put the Steelers off the field antics in context. It's a Crowley show. For as much nonsense that goes on with the Pittsburgh Steelers, at least they don't have nonsense like some of the other teams around the National Football League. I'll get to that in a few moments. But Stan had an Ask Wednesday today. You can hear him from noon until 2 here on ESPN Pittsburgh. And what Ask Wednesday is is just what it sounds like. There's nothing to talk about in the world of sports. So Stan fields your calls, your tweets, your emails, and he'll answer pretty much any question you have for him about media or otherwise. Well, somebody called in today and asked Stan a question you could come up with your sports radio lineup, who would be in it? Which, of course, you're on it. I haven't heard this yet. I feel like I'm going to be very flattered coming up in a few moments. It's going to be me, right? I'm going to be part of this. It's probably going to be me and Madden and Guy Junker. I know he likes Joe Starkey a lot. Maybe Starkey's part of it. But I'm definitely there. You can't have a sports radio station that's listenable in this city without having me. You can't. So here's the question. Here's what Stan had to say. I am nervous.
1: You'd have all the money in the
2: world, and you could hire anyone. Who would be on your all-sports channel?
3: You mean I don't already have all the money in the world? I, I thought I did. <laughs> he does. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, just for Pittsburgh, you're talking about?
0: Crowley. No, it could be anyone, anywhere. Crowley.
3: Well, I, I would have loved to have heard, have heard Howard Cosell do a talk show. He's dead, Stan. I mean, <laughs> that would have been very entertaining. We'll that um, uh Myron was brilliant at it. Dead uh, uh, Crowley, me. I'm trying to think, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not me! all that with you know other people on um, other f- markets and you know what it is they do. Um, I've never do really heard hear. Mike Francesa.
1: What?
0: Mike Francesa? you... He named two dead guys,
2: and then Mike Francesa, who's basically all one foot. In the uh, grave, he's basically so. dead. Yeah. he's basically weekend of Bernies.
0: What just? <laughs> I mean, Stan's racking his brain. Oh, I don't know what these guys do. You know what I do? I do a talk show every day from 4 o'clock until 7. I was your producer, Stan, for a year and a half. (laughs) Play that again. Listen to Stan racking his brain, and I I tell you, he needs me. Oh, boy. You'd have all the money
2: in the world, and you could hire anyone. Who would be on your all-sports
3: channel? You mean I don't already have all the money in the world? I I thought I did. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, yeah, uh, just for Pittsburgh you're talking about, no, it could be anyone, anywhere. Well, I, I would have loved to have heard, have heard Howard Cosell do a talk show. They I mean, were kind of powers and his and ass once they have. That would have been very have. entertaining. Um, <laughs> uh, Bring guys back Myron the was brilliant at it. Uh, uh, oh, me!
2: That's a perfect
3: I Crowley. space Right there! You know, all that familiar with, you know other people on... Um, other markets and you know what it is they do no, uh, I mean, I've never like really heard Mike Francesco
2: before he came back to you he's not
0: that familiar
3: with the other markets <laughs> yeah. but he's going to go out there to them anyway because there's <laughs> yeah. nothing here
2: in this market
0: I've never heard Francesca <laughs> but we're going to throw him on before <laughs> he's Crowley he's
2: going to go outside a market first
0: I'll take my chance he'll go in the unfamiliar markets <laughs> yeah. first before he goes I've to what he's familiar with <laughs> Mike Francesco I saw him in the hall today I walked right past him I said hi Stan <laughs> Did he say hi back? No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, that's a shot to the old ego. That's great.
2: I mean, Tom, that's not like editing or anything. There's nothing else like in no. that clip or that Not segment. at all. Like He doesn't come back around at the end and be like, oh, Adam Crowley.
0: No, it really ends with Princessa there. <laughs> Tom, I want you to ask me the same question. You know what? No. Play just the question from the caller, and I'll give my answer. How about that?
2: You'd have all the money in the world, and you could hire anyone. Who would be on your all-sports
0: channel? Well, I have all the money in the world. (laughs) 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 And I'd put me, Mornings, Tim Benz, Guy Junker, Mark Madden. How about that?
2: I don't need you, man. What oh, no, princess.
0: He can do evenings.
2: Maybe little vignettes from Howard Cosell, at least. I mean,
0: <laughs> what kind of powers does Ask Wednesday have? They can bring Myron and Cosell back from the dead. Who wants dead guys and people <laughs> who don't live here to do a show
2: before you on his radio station?
0: I think, some, I mean, Myron probably could get higher ratings than me just by rolling over.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, the idea of anybody who's deceased doing a talk show is probably a pretty That's big true. draw. That's As a big selling point, there, yeah. one time only, Myron Cope, back from the dead. Maybe he just thinks you need more practice. I don't know. What do you think? I mean,
0: maybe we just don't do is shows. Is it just
2: so right in front of him that he just missed it? Like it was such a softball that he wanted to think about it a little more. Like, of course, Adam Crowley. I mean, maybe it was such an automatic thing in his mind that. He, he didn't even feel the need to mention it.
0: He didn't want to hurt anybody else's feelings by hoisting me up so quickly is what happened.
2: Hmm. He didn't hoist them up either. So, I mean, in France, well, he just Francesca, didn't want to hurt anybody's Francesca feelings. Francesca wasn't listening.
0: I mean, he dominated in New York. I mean, I can I can see the logic there. Yeah,
2: but New York's weird. It's like one of those weird things where certain people work there. <sighs> I mean,
3: <laughs> it's a good
2: thing he doesn't have a radio station. Yeah. <laughs> he, Dale just texted you me. Wouldn't be on right now.
0: Dale just texted me and said he's got all the money in the world. He can find a cure for death. He can. He has, in fact, Stan. <laughs> Love you, Stan. You're just not part of my all time radio lineup. Oh, he would have to be a part of yours. You no, can't I, go at him like that, right? No, I, ju- I, I replaced him with yeah. Guy. I slid Guy right in. Stan was always going to be a part of it. I got me, Benzie, Mark Madden, Pursuta. But now Guy's taking Stan's place. If he's not going to give me the respect, I'm not going to give him the respect. Let's put this Steelers off the field antics in context, because I feel like I've crushed the Steelers over the last couple of days.
2: Real quick, I'm sorry yeah. not to interrupt, but do you think you can do it well enough to maybe get on Stan's efforts?
0: Yeah, if I do this take well enough, I feel like I can I can be on his radio station. Okay. Yeah. Here it goes, then. You know what? If it was my radio station, he wouldn't be a part of it. Here comes my take. Let's go. Let's put the Steelers off the field antics in context because I've crushed them. I've crushed them hard over the last couple of days. Antonio's a douche. Le'Veon's a douche. I always crush Ben Roethlisberger for being a douchebag. AB's a weird guy. He's a selfish guy. Le'Veon smoked the reefer and has been suspended, but they're not real bad dudes. Like, Ray Lewis was convicted of obstruction of justice in a murder case. Aaron Hernandez was convicted on murder charges. Ray Carruth had his baby mama killed and his son disabled. Greg Hardy, Josh Brown, Cedric Wilson, and others have beat women. Adam Jones spit on a cop. Alameda Te'amu tried to run cops over on the south side. Dante Stallworth killed a guy during a DUI. Alden Smith was arrested on charges of domestic violence. Marlon Humphrey was arrested for robbery. Ray Malaluga was arrested for battery. So, as much as we've all killed... AB and Lev Bell and Mike Mitchell and distractions here, distractions there. We've crushed a lot of guys over the years. They aren't bad people like those guys were bad people. They aren't violent criminals. I think it's important to distinguish the violent offenders from the knuckleheads. How about that, Stan? Bam! On your station. 93 7, the stand!
2: Coming up in 10 minutes of stand Flash. On this
0: date in 1945, let's educate the people about Columbia quickly. You know what? No, let's punt on it. Punt on Columbia right now. We'll do two next segment. You want to know why? Why? I don't have my Columbia facts in front of me. Columbia. And Will Graves. Oh, yeah. Next. It's a growl show. <laughs>